All right, we'll begin. Let's start with prayer. My Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. And I ask that your power be great. I ask you for grace and mercy. I ask you that you open our ears that we can hear. I ask you that you open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. That you turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. Father, I thank you that you show us only Jesus. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. If you will turn with me to, all right, let's go to Titus first. Why I am doing this. What is this woman doing up here? Titus 2. I'm going to read from verse 1. But speak those things which become sound doctrine. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity and patience. Now, the aged women likewise. And, and that's experienced, not aged. All right. That they may be in behavior as becometh holiness. That they may be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not, did you know you could be holy? It says, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. We are going to get there. But the way we get there will not be the way you think we're going to get there. But we are going to what was written in Titus. If you will start with me in John 10. We are going to do a study on women. And we are going to do a study on how Jesus handles us women. Alright? I won't get it all done today. But how Jesus handles women. Why are we going to do why, how Jesus handles women? Because we're going to see how Jesus handles us. All right? Okay, let's begin with John 10, verse 34. And Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law? This is Jesus speaking, and he's talking to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees aren't agreeing with him. And he says, Jesus answered, Is it not written in your law? I said you are gods. If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came. So the man that's speaking this is speaking the word of God. And that's what Jesus says. He says the word of God and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you see that? The scripture, the word of God, cannot be broken. Can't be. Anything that you Read in this word of God and you put your faith in, it cannot be broken. It won't be. The only thing that will break is your believing. The word of God cannot, cannot be broken. So where do we put our faith? We can put our faith in the word of God. In the word of God. Jesus himself, who is the word, said the word of God cannot be broken. So you got it in the word. You got it if you will believe. Now with that, go with me to Romans 2. 
I'm going to go to verse 11. Romans 2, verse 11. And this is Paul speaking. Well, let's begin in verse 10. It says, But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Also to us Gentiles. If you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile in the flesh. It says, but verse 11, look at verse 11. And it, it reiterates this. It says, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. Do you see that? With God, there is no, no respect of persons. None. With God, there is no respect of persons. If you don't take anything out of here today, but one thing, take this. There is no respect of persons. None. None. What God did for one, he will do for the next one. There is no respect of persons. Get that in your heart. Oh, but that one's special. There is no respect of persons. None. Oh, God gives some more responsibility than others. But there's no respect of persons. What he did for that one, anyone, he will do for you. He will not be a respecter of persons. He can't be. So there is no respecter of persons with God. Let's take a look at another one because I want you to get this. Acts 10, 34. Because all we're going to study about how Jesus deals with women will hang on this verse. All right. Acts 10, 34. And Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, of a truth, why is he speaking this? Because God sent him to speak the gospel to the Gentiles. And before that, the Gentiles weren't even allowed to follow God with the law or anything. They were not God's people until God put Jesus on the cross. And then Peter realized it when he went to speak the gospel to these Gentiles. Not only Gentiles, Roman soldier, a Roman soldier, the enemy. Went and spoke the cross, the, God, uh, the, the Spirit of God came, and the Gentiles started speaking in tongues. And this is what Peter said after. He said, and Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive, of a truth. He's not making a thought. He said, of a truth, I perceive. God is telling me that God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of persons. He will do for you what he will do for the next guy. That is a promise. That is the word of God, and it cannot be broken. The word of God cannot be broken. God is no respecter of persons. So would you see how Jesus handles these women? He will do the same for you. That is a promise. Now, we are going to get into some of those women. I want you to go with me to John 8. And we're going to take a look at the first one. We are going to see our Jesus. 
We're going to see our Messiah. We're going to see the God that was with God that gave up being a God and came down here to become a man so that he could save us, so that he could be your and my sacrifice. We're going to meet this man. And by the mercy, grace, and the Holy Ghost, I'm going to introduce you to him like you've never seen him before. Oh, oh, when God opened my eyes and started opening, there was nothing more wonderful than the revelation of Jesus. And it's still coming. All right. We're going to begin in John 8. I'm going to start at the beginning. John went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning, he came again into the temple. That's the big church, folks. That's the head church. That's the headquarters. He goes into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down, and he taught them in the temple. You know, he wasn't invited. He just went. Why? Because his father was there. All right? It says, and the scribes and the Pharisees, who didn't like him there teaching, it says, the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Isn't that funny they didn't bring the guy with them? They just took the woman. It takes two. But they brought the woman. And they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in idolatry in the very act. He said, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What's, uh, uh, he said, But what sayest thou? They put Jesus absolutely on the spot. They put him on the spot. Are you going to deny the law of Moses? Are you going to deny the Ten Commandments? So what does Jesus do? And you will find he doesn't deny the Ten Commandments. But he has something better. He has something better. He has something better. And he illustrates it here. It says, all right. And it says, so, um, now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? And this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. If he denies the law that got him, they can crucify him today. So what does he do? He obeys the spirit that's in him. He obeys God that's in him. And it says, Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, I want you to consider this for a second. This is our Messiah. This is the God that was God. This is the God that gave up all his godly abilities, became a man like us. And now Jesus, the Messiah, who we, you know, every time we saw him in, in, in uh, magazines, he had a halo. Well, this man doesn't have a halo. And he stoops down. The Messiah is stooping down, writing on the ground. Your Savior stoops down and writes on the ground. You think he's human? It says, and he, those he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Now, I've had people say, well, Jesus was writing down all their sins on the ground. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. In fact, if you go on, you'll see why. Why they changed their minds. It says, all right, he said, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. 
And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. Now, they which heard what Jesus said, they which heard, being convicted by their own conscience, that's what convicted them. Being convicted by their own conscience. Their own conscience. Ever had God do that to you? Ever had that Holy Ghost lay on you? Oh, yes, we throw up the hands. All right, it says, And they that heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest. He had the most sin. He'd been around enough. Okay, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman in the midst. Now, it's not just them too. It's all the people Jesus was talking to. It was the Pharisees and the scribes that walked out. Everybody else is still there. And they're watching Jesus. And they realized that, one, she didn't get stoned yet. And all the people that argued against him are now gone. They have walked out. And now it's Jesus and the woman and all that he's talking to, all that he's teaching. And what does he say? He said, I'm going to go back over this. And when they had heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, and, and even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Notice the woman hasn't said anything. What is she going to say? What is she going to say? She had been caught in the very act. There's nothing she could say. Ever been there? And it says, when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Look how Jesus handles the woman. Look how Jesus handled the woman with the sin. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Neither do I condemn thee. How did Jesus handle the woman? Neither do I condemn thee. Jesus said to the sinner, Jesus said to the woman that was caught in the act, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Do you see how Jesus handles the woman? He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't condemn her. Jesus doesn't condemn her. God is no respecter of persons and the, the scripture cannot be broken. Jesus is no respecter of persons. If he doesn't condemn that woman, he's not going to condemn you. Do you hear me? If he doesn't condemn the woman that was caught in the act, he is not going to condemn you. He's not going to. Why? He is no respecter of persons. What he did for one, he has to do for all. He will not condemn you if you go to him. If you go to him. If you go to him, 
She was dragged to him. But we can go to him and he will not condemn. But notice what he says. He says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. You go to Jesus, you're not condemned. That doesn't mean you go out and do it five more times. It's only going to hurt you. It'll only destroy you. And you know what? There's enough grace and mercy. Jesus can stop you from doing it five more times. All right? That's how Jesus. Now, he says, I, neither do I condemn thee. Why? Go to John three seventeen. Just back a couple pages. And we'll see why Jesus did not condemn the adulteress. I'm going to begin in verse 16. Jesus didn't condemn her. Why? For God so loved the world. He so loved the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. He so loved the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. He said that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever, whosoever, that is everybody, you are a whosoever. Say, I'm a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. Thank God I'm a whosoever. It says uh, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn it. For God sent not Jesus into the world to condemn it. The father did not send Jesus into the world to condemn you. That's not why he sent him. He sent him to save you. He sent him to save you. He didn't send him to condemn you. He sent him to save you. Save. He sent him to forgive you. He sent him to heal you. He sent him to make you prosperous. He sent him to heal your broken heart. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why Jesus could say to the woman caught in the very act, neither do I condemn you because the Father sent me to save you. And you know what's wonderful about that? When they said, well, you know, the, the law says you got a stoner. You know what Jesus did? He did something better. He saved her. He saved her. And how he saved her, you will find he fulfilled that law of Moses. By saving her, he fulfilled the law of Moses. We've got time. Let us look at, uh, let us look at one more. Go with me to Luke, se uh, Luke 7. This is one of my favorite passages in here. And there are some precious words in here that will minister to us women. If you, uh, Luke 7, verse 11. It says, And it came to pass the day after that Jesus went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. So Jesus had a parade of people with him. He had a multitude of people with him. He's coming up on Nain, a little town. And when he's coming up, he meets another group of people. So it's a big group of people and another big group of people. And it says, now when he came through nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out. 
the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. It said, and much people of the city was with her. Now we've got a crowd meeting a crowd. And we got Jesus leading one crowd. And we have a widow losing her only child. You're going to see your Savior. He said, and when the Lord saw her, when Jesus saw her, not the dead body. When Jesus saw her, it said he had compassion on her. He had compassion on her. Who is with you when your heart is broken? The man that has compassion, he has compassion on you. He has compassion. If he had compassion on that widow woman, he's got compassion on you. You've got to let him have compassion on you. He sees our tears. He sees them. Get that in your heart. He sees them. And he has compassion on you. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And you say, well, if he does, why am I in the mess I'm in? That's why you're here. That's why he sent you here. Because you're going to meet him. And he's going to fix the broken heart. He's going to fix it. That's the Jesus I know. The Jesus I know comes in the darkest hour, at the worst time, when you don't think there's any more light, when you don't think there's another day you can walk. He comes with his compassion, and he saves you. He saves you. That's the Jesus we know. That's the Jesus in this passage. That's Jesus and what he does for one. He's going to do for the next one. He has to. God has no respecter of persons. And so what does Jesus do having compassion on this woman? He said, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, he said to the widow woman, weep not. Don't cry. Can you imagine the Savior said, don't cry. Don't cry. I'm here. I'm here to fix it. I'm here to fix it. You know what? He's here right now to fix it. He can fix it. It says, and then he came and touched the beer. And they that bear him stood still. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, the young man's not there. His body's there, his spirit, someplace else. But that's Jesus. That's the Holy Ghost in Jesus talking. Jesus couldn't do anything. But the Holy Ghost in Jesus with compassion said, young man, I say to thee, arise. And that spirit pulled that young man out of wherever he was and put him back in that body.
It said, and he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. Delivered him to his mother. That's Jesus. You know, she didn't even come to him and ask. Jesus did it anyway. That's our Savior. Now, I want us to turn to Isaiah 53, and I'll show you why he can do these things. I'll show you why he can fix it. I'll show you why he can mend your broken heart. I'll show you why he can fix your situation. He is absolutely able to fix any situation. And if he has to create a whole other planet to do so, he will. He has that ability because he and the Father are one. All right. Uh, chapter 53 of Isaiah. I'm going to begin in verse 3. Jesus is despised and rejected of men. Ever been there? Ever been despised and ever been rejected? That's what Jesus was. He knows how you feel. That's why he can have compassion on you. He said he is despised. I mean anybody. I mean, when you think you are the lowest drag that dragged on the earth. Jesus knows what it feels like. That's why he can have compassion on you. That's why he can fix it. It says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of pain, sorrows, and acquainted with grief. That is sickness. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. He was left alone on the tree and that's why he has compassion on us. That's why he has compassion when he sees our tears because he's been there. He's been there. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our sins, our transgressions. He was bruised, smitten for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him and with his stripes, we are healed. That man took whatever we have done. God took whatever we have done. And he put it on the body of Jesus. Why? God sent Jesus to save you, not to condemn you. God so loved you, so loved me. He sent Jesus to carry your sin, to carry your diseases, your sicknesses, and everything you did that caused the sickness in the first place was put on the body of Jesus. Your poverty, your weakness, your feeling desperate, your feeling worthless, all went on the body of Jesus. For God so loved you, he put it on Jesus, knowing Jesus could deliver us knowing that that sacrifice was going to be accepted, knowing that the Father saw the travail of Jesus. He saw Jesus with your sin. He saw Jesus with my sin on him. He saw Jesus with our diseases on him. He saw Jesus with our curses on him for the dumb things we've done and the dumb things our ancestors did. It was all put on the body of Jesus. All of it. All of it. You got it? All of it. Well, I don't think I'm able to do this. All of it went on the body of Jesus. And the Father saw the travail of his soul. 
Saul, your weaknesses, your sins, your curses, saw it on the body of Jesus. And he was satisfied. He was satisfied. And you have been forgiven. And you have been justified. And you have been made free when God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus satisfied God concerning you. And you can stand before God in that knowledge. And God can do with you whatever you need him to do if you will believe. If you will believe. If you will stand on that. If you will trust God with what Jesus did for you. If you will read that word. If you will get it in your heart. If you will believe. If you will believe. And I want to finish in Romans 10. For those that are not born again. For those that don't have Jesus in their hearts. The man that had compassion on the woman. The man that did not condemn the woman that was caught in the very act. Didn't condemn her. He won't condemn you if you will go to him. If you do not have Jesus in your heart, I want to give you an opportunity today. All you have to do, all you have to do is get with Jesus and tell him. Romans 10, I'm going to go to verse 9. If thou will confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. If thou will confess with my, thy mouth the Lord Jesus. How do you do that? Lord Jesus, using your mouth. And shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Jesus will come into your heart and he will lead you in a path to fix you. Jesus has the ability to fix you. And he died and was buried and raised again so he can fix you. Amen? Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the Ministers of Music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.